This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Friday afternoon, November 3rd. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. It is Entrepreneur Friday on the Noon Business Hour. We'll meet the co-owner of a suburban bakery known for its cookie fries in our next segment. But right now, the government jobs report for October headlines today's numbers. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home, is Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy at the Wells Fargo Investment Institute in St. Louis. Paul, thank you for joining us today. Uh, U.S. payrolls increasing by 150,000 in October, the unemployment rate 3.9%. Uh, that is below the consensus estimate of 170,000 and well below the close to 300,000 jobs that were added in September. So how do we put this October employment report in context? Yeah, thanks, Rob. Good to be with you. So 150,000 add in about 35,000 striking workers who would have been counted otherwise, and you get about 180,000. And that's a pretty good jobs report ordinarily. The problem is, as you mentioned, it's trending lower from 300,000 to 150 or 180. That's still lower. While the unemployment rate is ticking higher, the job market is cooling and it's revealing some cracks below the surface in the economy. Now, if you are uh, Jay Powell, the chair of the Federal Reserve, or the people who have been following the interest rate hiking strategy, you look at these numbers and say, that's the point. We, we were do- that's why we jacked up interest rates to their highest level in 20 years, to slow the economy down and to take some of the stress out of the job market and to take some of the inflationary pressures uh, out of the uh, wage market. Uh, Sure, but uh, two complications for Dr. Fed. One is that the medicine has long-lasting effects. In other words, it takes a long time to get into the system and actually do its job, and you could break something in the body first. And secondly, well, inflation is still kind of sticky. If you look around at medical costs, gasoline costs, insurance costs, uh, and uh, housing costs, all of those are still kind of high, and that's what people buy So uh, the Fed's going to have to keep these rates a little higher, a little longer. That means more doses of that medicine. And it looks like the uh, prediction markets are uh, kind of recalibrating what higher for longer will mean, especially for how much longer they're beginning to price in some cuts uh, early to middle of next year. Uh, Do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, investors need to be really careful with this, watching this market price in cuts. Since the Fed started hiking in March of 22, the market has wanted to to price in cuts. The market wanted to believe that the Fed wouldn't let things get too out of hand and would cut rates and allow more money into the market and into the economy. And this is just another example. We think the Fed has to wait until that sticky services, uh, core services, comes down below 4% and much closer to their 2%. That's what we're watching uh, before the Fed can think about cutting. Unfortunately, we may have a recession 
first. And then when we talk about uh, just how this jobs report stacks up to other reports uh, from the post-pandemic or the post-pandemic shutdown period, this looks like a job report that you would see in 2019 or 2018 uh, versus one you would encounter in 21 or 22. Yeah, that's right. But again, focus on the trend. Which direction is it going? It's coming down. Uh, and what's more, there's a lot of revisions in these in these reports this year. This time it was a minus 100,000. So if you if you looked at it last month and you say, oh, great, uh, two, three hundred thousand jobs created. And this month they're revising it lower. Well, that tells you something that something's going on behind the scenes that's not quite so positive. Paul Christopher, head of global market strategy at the Wells Fargo Investment Institute in St. Louis. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, building a cookie bakery business from scratch. Because money matters. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Entrepreneur Friday, and we're in for a sweet treat in this segment as we learn about an innovation in cookies. We welcome in Jill Balick, co-founder of the Cookie Joint in Northbrook. Find it online, thecookiejoint.com. Jill, thank you for joining us today. And sure. Tell us about your journey through baking before you opened the Cookie Joint with, uh, with your friend in uh, 2011. Well, um, Susie and I met through our kids, they, uh, through school, and they both went off to college, and, and we thought, okay, what's next? Um, we're both very creative and have a passion for baking, and we both were in the hospitality industry. So that kind of gave us the push to figure out what was next, and um, that's how we created our company. We thought, let's, let's bake and, and see where that goes. Now, when you said you were in the hospitality industry, so you had some experience with uh, with with recreating baking at scale, because there there you know I, I I know in my own experience, when I tried to bake a cake or bake cookies. Uh, it, it is it is a very complex process, not unlike launching the space shuttle. And right. the, when when you get that one tray of cookies out, uh, it is the result of uh, four or five hours of uh, intense work. But when you're running a bakery or, or running a, a restaurant or a hotel catering uh, office, uh, you have to create hundreds, if not thousands of baked goods and and get them done in a short amount of time. Right. I mean, we, we learned as we, we went along. I mean, um, I was in the restaurant business and Susie was in the party business. And so we, you learn to think fast on your feet. Um, and, you know, a passion and, and just being, pers- you know, to persevere is what will help you succeed. We're talking to Jill Balick, co-founder of the Cookie Joint in Northbrook on this Entrepreneur Friday. And Jill, you are not just an entrepreneur, you are also an inventor. So tell us about this massive innovation in the world of cookies. Okay. Well, you know, it started out, Susie and I were going to open up a store and we thought, okay, so what would make us successful since there's so many cookie companies? And what we thought of is shape. And she loves salty, I love sweet. And so in the brainstorming process came French fries. So then we thought, all right, there's an idea there. Um, And so we started making cookies in the shape of crinkle cut French fries. And then we put them in cartons and thought with a French fry, you need ketchup so we made sauces like caramel and marshmallow and chocolate 
and we put our shortbread crinkle cut cookies in fry cartons. And it really just kind of took off. We decided, let's try our concept online first. Um, and that's where we stayed, was online. And it's been successful. And then how much, uh, how much when it comes to the cookie fries, how much uh, product testing went into it, the flavor testing, trying to find out which combinations work and which, uh, which, probably, which flavor combinations uh, weren't ready for the market? How long did that take before you actually decided to sell them? Well, we started out with just a plain shortbread. Um, and from there, we thought, okay, you know, we should have more than just one flavor. And honestly, through mistakes, we, you know, some other flavors were created, but we felt like we wanted an assortment of flavor, and people love chocolate chip cookies and oatmeal, so we took the cinnamon. So we really kind of thought of what people love, flavors, and tried to incorporate that into our shortbread cookies, um, and we created 10 flavors. Um, and, you know, they're, they're hand-cut, so that's one thing that's very uh, time-consuming, but you know what? It was the love of baking and just seeing the smile on people's faces when they saw the product is what really kept us going. Jill Balick, co-founder of The Cookie Joint in Northbrook. Find her online at thecookiejoint.com. Thank you for joining us today. And then coming up next, looking for a Taylor Swift effect on the Stark market. It might be real. Did Taylor Swift help the economy shake off some serious headwinds over the summer? It's a real possibility. There have been some stories throughout the summer and into the fall about the possible wider-ranging economic impact from the huge success that Taylor Swift has had, uh, not only on their, her concert tour, but at the movies this year. Let's look at the potential role in shaking off a recession with Jennifer Waters, Chicago-based business reporter. Jennifer, thank you for joining us today. This is not a joke. We're not being, we're not goofing around no. on this on, mm -hmm. on this Friday afternoon. I mean, this show, the Noon Business Hour, is serious business from start to finish and there's some numbers behind this uh five yeah. billion dollars in potential spending uh around the eras tour just this summer alone right right and we could call this the the, the swift lift or we can call it taylornomics whatever it is she is an economic juggernaut as she really proved this summer and you know you said five billion dollars but you've got to think about all that, like, like in Chicago alone, think about how crazy it was when she was here. And I mean, hotel rooms, they had an all time record high, 97% occupancy when she was here, not just from her. I mean, we had an oncology group and James Beard awards here too, but you know, think about all, I don't know if you remember the lines for the merchandise tents and all of that. She has just been storming the country and all across the country, the, all, every city she was in, claim that they made a lot of money from everything, from things like hotel rooms, obviously, restaurants, uh, you know, a museum in Nashville did a pop-up and they had the, uh, the best, uh, they did a pop-up exhibit of her outfits and, and other things from her, from her albums. And they had the best attendance in their 65-year uh, history. 
And Jennifer, about all that. and Jennifer, not only it's just the Taylor Swift concert itself um, and all the associated spending around it, but uh, it seems like the American consumer said, well, if I'm in for a penny, I'm in for a pound. If I'm going to spend all this mm-hmm. money on Taylor Swift, I'm going to spend just as much money on Beyonce and all this other stuff because I couldn't do it two years ago during COVID-19. Yeah, well, that's part of the, our whole revenge spending time, you know, and and then yeah, they've also said because this was like uh, I've heard this called the hot girl summer because you've got Beyonce, you had you had Taylor Swift. I mean, those are major concerts. I, you know, Beyonce, of course, did very well. I mean, she's she's a rock star by any any definition, um, but I think Taylor Swift just really kind of knocked it out of the park, so to speak, with all of the things that she had. I mean, you've got, you had one kid, one 25-year-old girl in New Jersey who spent $10,000 going to 11 concerts this year. Those are like deadhead fans of the 70s, you know, following her around. And now that she's going abroad, you know, she's going to be in Europe and Australia and such, where she goes out there. I mean, people are already lining up to get tickets out there. I just read something that said New Zealand Air, which they're not. She's not going to play New Zealand, but she's playing in Australia. They had to add 14 more flights to accommodate 3,000 more people to get there for her for her concert there. Now this is I like mean, the, think about that. This is like the people who would stand outside of Soldier Field because they couldn't get in, but they have to realize yeah. that just because you're in New Zealand, you're not going to hear the concert in Australia. or maybe they're that dedicated who knows jennifer waters chicago-based business reporter thank you for joining us today still ahead on entrepreneur friday we'll meet a breeder of german shepherds call from mom answer it call silenced instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The landscape in the Israel Hamas war continues to widen. Chicago's official Christmas tree is ready for its journey downtown. It's Entrepreneur Friday. We meet a dog breeder who's calling for higher standards in the business. And it can be tough to find a balance when it comes to saving money for retirement and then using it to live your life. WBBM business, the markets are higher, the Dow is up. 
255 points. The NASDAQ is up 178. The S&P 500 is up 45. 53 degrees right now at O'Hare under cloudy skies going up to 58 today. It's 1231, topping our news at the half hour. The Iranian-backed group Hezbollah says it hit 19 Israeli military targets along the border with Lebanon. CBS News senior foreign correspondent Charlie Daggett reports from Tel Aviv. Hezbollah's military capability far overshadows what Hamas is capable of. They've got longer range weapons. They're more powerful. They have proven to to get past Israel's Iron Dome, and they have lots of them. And what concerns people here in Israel and people in the United States is if Hezbollah really goes into this fight all in, it's going to cause a headache for defenses, Israeli defenses that will be stretched thin. Meantime, U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is in Israel urging Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to allow more humanitarian aid into Gaza and to do more to protect Palestinian civilians from the war. Chicago's official Christmas tree has been removed from its previous home in Darien. Abby De La Cruz and her family watched as a crew took down the tree in their yard. So it was my mom's idea. <laughs> and she's she's been reminding me since June to submit something. And then even my brother was like, I'll take a picture if you can write a nice story. I'm like, OK, let's let's try and cross our fingers. And what did you think when you got the word? Uh, almost in disbelief when I told my mom and she was so excited. She started clapping. She woke up my dad. My dad started like, uh, I just say goodbye to the tree right now. I'm like, no, no, it's not getting taken down right now. <laughs> it'll be a little bit later. The donated tree is a 45-foot Colorado blue spruce. It'll be illuminated during the lighting ceremony in Millennium Park on November 17th. It's 1232 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are higher today. Joining us on the Village of Bedford Park business line, reminding you to bring your business home is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the website UpsideStocks.com based in Hammond. Chuck, thank you for joining us today. Uh, day two of, of the rally, uh, yesterday's uh, buying was fueled by the interest rate announcement. Is this simply buying off of the uh, October jobs report or are there other underlying issues? Well, I think that's a big factor and because what that's indicating is, is that you know, maybe, maybe we've peaked in interest rates here, and that's what the market is kind of betting on. You look at what's happened to the 10-year Treasury yield, which is, you know, I don't want to say collapse, but you're looking at it's down to over 30 basis points this week. And so, you know, this has been a market that has been really driven by interest rates. And when interest rates were accelerating higher, that was a real headwind. And if we get into a, a different narrative where rates have peaked and they're starting to come down, and you have an economy that is okay, uh, you know, you start seeing that Goldilocks narrative out there, which tends to be pretty good for stocks. So I think that's what's happening today. And then we talk about the uh, collapse in bond yields uh, just off of the unemployment news. What does that mean for interest rates? Because you have the federal funds rate, uh, which is in the fives, but that's the amount that banks charge each other to loan money. Uh, for for the average person, it's in the sevens or the eights, depending on if you want to get a car loan, if you want to get a mortgage. Uh, will that collapse in bond yields eventually trickle its way down to the consumer? Well, it'll take a while. Uh, you know, the, the, these rates and the reduction in the 10-year the Treasury bond rate is more of a, an incentive for investors um, in taking away or reducing the appeal of alternatives to stocks um, versus, you know, really feeling it quickly from uh, the consumer standpoint in terms of, as you said, mortgages and things like that. So, you know, the, the decline in, in the Treasury rates uh, is, is more of an, an 
uh, a stock market benefit. And what you'll need to see, or you know, eventually, is the Fed starting to reduce rates, or and and that would help some of the other uh, more consumer-oriented rates. And that that would seem, uh, based on some of the prediction markets today and the action there, that already some investors are pricing in maybe a rate cut or several rate cuts uh, starting early next year. Yeah, I think that might be a little ambitious. I guess we'll find out. Um, early next year, I think, is a little bit early. I, you know, maybe we get into mid-year uh, next year, perhaps. But again, a lot of it's going to rely on what's the eco- economic situation doing at that point. I mean, if we're in a situation where the economy is slowing, but we haven't entered a recession, and, and again, we've kind of reverted to kind of this Goldilocks economy, not too hot, not too, not too cold, uh, I'm not convinced that the Fed is going to be all that aggressive in reducing rates next year. The, the, the thing that is nice, though, from a Fed perspective, is that you know the, the narrative on these higher rates is going to pivot from higher rates being bad to higher rates giving plenty of airspace for the Fed to reduce rates if we get into an economic uh, recession. And I think investors will view that positively from a market standpoint. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the website UpsideStocks.com, based in Hammond. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Entrepreneur Friday, Breeding Better Breeders. Your best stock option. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Hey, it's Entrepreneur Friday, and our guest this afternoon is a dog breeder who's built a business with an eye on the ethics and humanity of a largely unregulated industry. Welcome in Kate Dahlman, who is a German Shepherd breeder and founder of Herzog German Shepherds in Crystal Lake. Kate, thank you for joining us today. You started this business, the operation, 15 years ago, but were you breeding German Shepherds before that? I mean, how did you learn this particular discipline? Uh, I've really been involved with it most of my life. Uh, early on, actually, we were um, you know, involved with a, uh, a whoops litter, and that actually is what really turned me into you know, somebody that advocates for the rescue uh, industry. And when you started doing this 15 years ago, I seem to recall there was a great deal of public commentary and education and stories about puppy mills and just what you could be supporting if you were buying a dog from a pet store. That's where the whole adopt, don't shop movement came in, as I recall. And, you know, what are some of the things about the the, the dog breeding, I don't know if you want to call it an industry, uh, that, you know, in in your mind uh, does not pass the ethics test? Um, I think one of the biggest things is that because it is unregulated, um, there are a lot of people that, you know, they're driven more by money. Um, and there are there are plenty of people out there, though, that also they just really want to do the best they can, but they don't know how. So there's not because it's not regulated. There's not a lot of like good information out there for the people that do want to do better. So you're kind of fighting those people that are like, hey, I'm, I'm just in it for the money. Uh, versus the people that just don't know what to do. And that's actually why we started our nonprofit. And, and, and what makes your dog breeding business or nonprofit uh, different? Uh, you know, when, when you talk about having high, the highest ethical standards, what are those ethical standards? Well, I think the biggest thing is, is that when you, um, if, if a person has a puppy, if they're, if they're breeding puppies and they're selling them to, to, you know, an owner, they need to be prepared to stand by that puppy for its life. Um, that means if the owner is having a hard time, 
They need to be able to, to support them in whatever way they need. If the owner needs to relinquish the dogs, then they need to be prepared to take the dog back. And those are the kinds of things that, as a breeder, it's, it really is your responsibility to make sure that your dog is good for its entire, entire life. Um, so it, it's about preventing your dogs from ever entering shelters. And then if you uh, if you don't want to go down the adoption route, and of course there are plenty of shelters that uh, need people to adopt dogs and cats and puppies and kittens, uh, if you want to go down the dog breeder route, what are some things that you should know as a potential pet owner about uh, you know, what are some potential red flags and, and what are some signs that, uh, that your breeder is, 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 is operating ethically? Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, first of all, you should have a solid contract. The breeder should have something that has legal verbiage on what, uh, you know, what their return policy is, um, what happens uh, in the event of a health issue, things of that nature. Like, those are very, very important things. If they do not have that, then that, you know, that is a big red flag. Um, the other thing is, is that you should be talking to your breeder face-to-face. You should never be buying a puppy online, sight unseen. That is actually where a lot of the puppy mills are hiding right now, is that they all, you know, now that they're not able to sell in pet stores, they have moved to uh, selling online. So definitely getting to know your breeder. Even if you're buying from across state lines, you can tell if somebody is on the up and up by having, like, actual conversations with them. Um, so I, I think those are maybe the top top things to look for. We're talking to Kate Dahlman, German Shepherd breeder and founder of Herzog German Shepherds in Crystal Lake. Now that we have we we have uh, discussed the the ethics, the ethical dog breeding and, and and what that entails, let's talk about the fun stuff. And that is, you get to work with puppies all the time. What's that like? Um, so yeah, I'm pretty much a coddler. Um, I am a nurturer and I, I, I play with puppies a lot and, um, there's also a lot of mess that goes along with it. So (laughs) you got to take the, uh, the bad with the good, I guess. And then, uh, do do you have any, any particular story or home that really jumps out at you that someone came to, to, uh, Herzog German Shepherds and it was just the beginning of a beautiful relationship, uh, either with a family or with the, or with the breed itself? I have to tell you that um, we actually have a a private group that's called the Herzog Puppy Family. I've got to give them a shout out. Um, They are the people who have my puppies and they have my heart too because we've we've got like our little puppy reunion that we do we share pictures online and and it's a group that um you know we've really gotten to know all of them very well so i can't say that any one particular one is sticking out right now but um i i just have i have a lot kate dahlman german shepherd breeder and founder of Herzog German Shepherds in Crystal Lake. Thank you for joining us today. Still to come, walking the line between saving for retirement and spending for life. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. The 2023 annual retirement study from the Alliance Life Insurance Company finds that 6 in 10 Americans are more afraid of running out of money in life than they are of death. The death. Let's discuss that fear and ways to find balance with Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner, founder of the Engage Wealth Group based in Chicago. Find him online, engagewealthgroup.com. Ed, thank you for joining us today. We spend decades of our lives, Ed, saving. And then there's that one day in which you have to switch, flip the switch almost immediately from saving to spending. And a lot of people, it sounds like, have a hard time making that turn. 
Yeah, Rob, you know, it's a very important element in regards to that transition, right? You save and then you most likely draw down, but you also have Social Security, maybe a part-time job. And, you know, unfortunately, the huge unknown for all of us is, is in essence, our life expectancy, right? How long are we going to be around? And then what, if any, health-related costs such as long-term care that you need? So when we see these studies time and time again, these are the numbers we see. And again, that's where a good financial plan comes in place just to kind of have an idea in terms of what that future can hold. But again, we don't know what tomorrow is going to be. So we understand the angst and anxiety for those who are either in retirement now or thinking about retirement. And and, and one of the things that you can do maybe to uh, ease that anxiety right now, Ed, is to just create a retirement budget. Yeah, Rob, you know, we, we'll push back a little bit on the word budget, right? We love the word spending plan because in 2020, we weren't thinking we would have this high inflation. So from that standpoint, a spending plan is this is what we think we're going to be spending in the year, and then life happens. And so you might be spending a little bit more, a little bit less, and it creates flexibility, at least from a psychological standpoint. But yes, having a spending plan and understanding how much money is coming in, most importantly, how much money is coming out, and then finding a way to find that happy balance. And uh, I'll, I'll phrase the question this way, especially in light of the new Beatles song that is out, uh, but how can you, as a soon-to-be retiree, uh, keep the tax man out of your life? Yeah, tax planning is a very important element, and as a certified financial planner, we take really close look at taxes and tax implications. Yeah, we think about this in terms of levers, right? You, you, you make an IRA distribution, it can affect a lot of different things, not only your taxes, but it can affect your Medicare payments. So we want clients to be as tax efficient as possible. If you're paying a lot of taxes, it's not bad. We just don't want you to pay another nickel or dollar more than you absolutely have to. So having a good financial team, a certified financial planner and a tax professional working in concert together can go a long way in helping you with the tax man. Ed Jertson, certified financial planner, founder of the Engage Wealth Group in Chicago. Find him online, engagewealthgroup.com. Thank you for joining us today. If you missed any part of the Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at wbbmnewsradio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.